KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. San Diego County health officials reported 718 new cases of COVID-19 and seven additional fatalities on Tuesday. It was the seventh consecutive day that more than 600 new coronavirus cases have been reported by the county. The last four days have marked the highest daily case counts since the pandemic began. County supervisors voted three to one on Tuesday to put an additional $2 million into a financial relief program for those affected by the pandemic. On August 25th, the board approved a $6.5 billion operating budget for the 2020-2021 fiscal year. It included $2 million for those who tested positive for the coronavirus, allowing them to stay home. Each recipient would receive a one-time amount of $1,000, according to a county staff report. The amount approved Tuesday adds another $2 million to the program. With COVID-19 cases skyrocketing in San Diego County, officials moved on Monday to punish violators of health regulations, including 17 restaurants, bars, gyms, yoga studios, and a church. El Cajon city officials say they will not be enforcing regulations. City managers say officers have their hands full without chasing down COVID-19 violations. We've found that a more educative approach has been far more effective than coming in, um, threatening to shut people down or threatening to fine somebody $1,000. Though the sheriff's department and various police agencies have issued hundreds of citations in San Diego, the city attorney's office says they haven't prosecuted anyone for violating health orders. Meanwhile, hospitals are preparing for a surge in patients following the spike in cases. Dr. Christopher Longhurst is with UC San Diego Health. He says although there's plenty of capacity to care for patients, the upcoming holiday raise concerns. We're very worried about the holidays. It could become a perfect storm that puts us in a COVID hell. If San Diego hospitals are to reach capacity, a federal field hospital with 200 beds was set up at Palomar Medical Center in Escondido back in April. So far, that's gone unused. It's Wednesday, November 18th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day. KPBS On Demand is supported by... Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. The San Diego VA is making access to mental health care harder for local veterans during the COVID-19 pandemic. Therapists say the agency's actions are dangerous and irresponsible. Investigative reporter Brad Rossino with KPBS partner iNewsSource has details. That's the humming of Wendy Belding. 
She's a San Diego therapist who specializes in helping PTSD and sexual abuse survivors. That's because the San Diego VA doesn't have the resources to treat all the vets it cares for. The arrangement has been around for years, and Belding is one of many providers in the county. But recently, the La Jolla therapist has had a hard time getting the VA to continue authorizing mental health treatments for her patients. Belding has heard the agency's on-hold music so often, she can hum it from memory. Now, it's like a 45-minute wait on hold, saying how much they care about veterans and how much, you know, their concern is about veteran suicide, and you're waiting and waiting. Five clinicians told iNewsSource that without much warning or explanation, the VA has started making it more difficult for veterans to get the okay to go outside the system for mental health care. And with the coronavirus pandemic growing worse, Belding says now is not the time for the system to falter. I'm concerned that this is like the perfect storm. Suicide rates among military personnel reached an all-time high last year. But recent reports suggest COVID-19 may be making things worse. Army officials reported a 30% increase in suicides among active duty soldiers during the first six months of the pandemic. It's frankly frightening what's going to happen to veterans. Those interviewed for this story told iNewsource at least three veterans have taken their lives over the VA's actions. One was a patient of San Diego psychotherapist Devin Price. She was told, no, you can't have any more sessions. Price says the VA denied the woman further treatments in December. In April, the veteran took her life. I sent in a report, the after-action report, and no one contacted me, nothing. So she's just gone. She doesn't live anymore, and that's it. No, they never checked in with me about anything. Nobody. In some cases, treatment stopped before eventually getting VA approval. In others, veterans and therapists said they've been waiting weeks or months for authorizations. Several therapists are continuing to treat patients with no guarantee of payment by the VA because they can't bring themselves to stop helping the vets. Belding is one of them. If one of my clients commits suicide and I made the choice to not take care of them, I'm not willing to live with that. We sent the San Diego VA a list of questions about the mental health care cuts. A spokesperson wouldn't answer any of them. Instead, he asked for the names of the veterans and therapists interviewed for this investigation. One of those vets is April Coberly. She's a 37-year-old Navy veteran with a history of PTSD, depression, and sexual trauma. She says it's always been tough getting good mental health care from the VA, but recently it's gotten worse. It's such a, a looming institution and has so much red tape and different things that you don't understand. After years of being bounced from one psychiatrist to another within the VA system, Coberly says she finally found stability with an outside provider. But now she's been waiting weeks to hear from the VA whether she'll be able to continue those sessions. I think it gives you kind of like this like hopeless feeling kind of where it's like I keep having to push to get what they promised, and it's exhausting. It's, it's, I know why a lot of people give up. That was reporting from iNewsource investigative reporter Brad Racino. If you or someone you know is considering suicide, call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Thank you.
Meanwhile, the San Diego VA facility could become the first to be named after a woman. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says this comes at a time when the VA is trying to welcome female vets. San Diego Congressman Mike Levin plans to sponsor a bill to rename the San Diego VA after a female veteran. It would be a first. Karen Brennan was an Army intelligence officer during the Cold War. She now chairs the new group created by Levin to recommend a name. It's like every veteran has a story. Women veterans and men are no different in that respect. The only difference really is that our stories are not told as often. The group is supposed to give the congressman a list of three recommendations by Memorial Day. The VA hospital in La Jolla or the VA clinic in Oceanside are two candidates. Neither are named for a person now. It would still take an act of Congress. San Diego is in a foot race to be the first with a group attempting to rename the Manhattan VA after a woman veteran. A local private school was requiring all teachers to return to in-person teaching by the end of this month, even if they have family members who are especially vulnerable to COVID-19. Now, after the threat of a student boycott, the school has changed course. KPBS education reporter Joe Hong explains. After a week of outrage from students, parents, and alumni, the Francis Parker School in Linda Vista announced teachers would be allowed to work remotely through March. At first, the school said only teachers with personal medical exemptions could work remotely. Two teachers with high-risk family members announced they would resign. Amitha Devana-Boyina is a junior at Francis Parker. I think after they realized the students weren't going to stop because it kept going even after the weekend had passed, and because they feared a boycott, I think they finally like realized maybe we should just extend this exemption for the next trimester. Head of school Kevin Yaley did not respond to multiple requests for comment. At San Diego Unified, the county's largest public school district, officials say teachers with at-risk family members will receive accommodations. Joe Hong, KPBS News. The upcoming winter in California may seem colder than in recent years. That's because of an incoming La Nina weather pattern. Cap Radio's Ezra David Romero reports. If you're like me, the idea of a cold winter sounds terrible. But because of a moderate La Nina forming over the Pacific Ocean, that probably will be the case. As opposed to El Ninos, La Ninas typically bring colder and drier weather. In Southern California, La Ninas are typically drier, but it's a mixed bag for the northern part of the state. That's according to Michelle Mead with the National Weather Service in Sacramento. I like to say get out your dartboard because it really is storm by storm dependent. But even though it may feel cooler this winter compared to last year, UCLA climate scientist Daniel Swain says the planet is still warming. It points to the sort of the inexorable warming in one direction that even even with a really strong La Nina event, we're not getting a cold year globally. Still, he says if he had to put money on it, he would bet on a drier than average winter for California overall. Coming up on the podcast, much of San Diego County's Latinx population lives in County District 1, and now they have a Latina supervisor. You know, representation matters, and I really do stand on the shoulders of so many uh, community activists, you know, people that came before me that really created this opportunity for someone like me. You'll hear from Nora Vargas, who will be part of the Democratic majority of the new San Diego Board of Supervisors. That story is up next.
KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Residents of San Diego County's District 1 will soon have a new representative who's a Democrat and a Latina. District 1 is in the southwest portion of the county and includes the county's second largest city of Chula Vista. Supervisor-elect Nora Vargas is president of the Southwest College Governing Board, and she'll be one of the Democrats that now make up the majority of the county board. Nora Vargas spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Mark Sauer. Here's that interview. Well, first off, you're ahead by more than 30,000 votes, yet not all votes have been counted, and your opponent, fellow Democrat Ben Hueso, has not yet conceded, although uh, incumbent Greg Cox called and congratulated you. What's the status of the District 1 race in your eyes right now? Uh, well, you know, it looks really, really good. Uh, after two years of really hard work, um, I think that uh, we, uh, the voters, have made a decision. Uh, the Actual election will not be final until December 2nd, but the probability of, of the changes, of any other changes happening are very slim to none. So I think we're, we're in a really good place um, and we are now in the transition process. Now, you'll be the first Latina on the Board of Supervisors. How do you feel about that? You know, I am extremely humbled and um, honored to have had the trust of uh, the residents of District 1 and for all their support. I have no doubt that I'm going to continue to fight for them. You know, representation matters. And I really do stand on the shoulders of so many uh, community activists and leaders in our community and, uh, the, you know, people that came before me that really created this opportunity so someone like me could actually be a candidate and win in this role. Your district has been one of the areas hardest hit by coronavirus in our county. Uh, what are your goals when it comes to addressing this pandemic and recovering from the economic impacts? So, yeah, so actually, you know, throughout the um, campaign after the primary when COVID hit, um, you know, I really made sure that we hit the ground running as a campaign and we, we used all of our resources to help our community. And so I heard firsthand uh, from our community what their needs were. And so mitigating the impacts of COVID is going to be absolutely a priority for me. As a matter of fact, this week I'm meeting with county health experts um, on COVID to make sure that we that I have all the information that I need as we're as we're um, entering this new phase. But I think the, the county has a responsibility to invest in our communities. Uh, they have done some testing and there's some contract tracing, but I think there's more work to be done. Testing has to continue to be a priority. I think that uh, we have to figure out a way to partner up with small businesses so that we can make sure that they have the relief that they have they can they can get. I'm nervous about the different holidays that are coming up. I think it's very natural for people to want to come together, but I think that we need to make sure we continue to communicate with folks that it is in our best interest for us to make sure that we're maintaining social distances, that we are continuing to use our masks, that we are taking care of each other. And, you know, healthcare access is a huge issue in District 1. The disparities uh, have been real for decades. And so working together with community clinics and uh, with our community to find out how we better uh, address some of this is going to be one of my priorities. Outside of coronavirus, what are your priorities as one of five members of the County Board of Supervisors? Well, I mean, I, I think that mitigating the impacts of the coronavirus is really a, a big priority for me. And, and although there's a lot of issues that we need to address, until we have uh, healthy communities, it's going to be tough to move forward. But I think um, parallel to that, I think it's going to be the work around health disparities, addressing health disparities and the inequities. So really 
making sure that we have the data that we need to be able to move forward is going to be a priority. The Tijuana River Valley sewage issue is a big one for us in our community. We want to make sure that the county addresses this immediately. So working with my colleagues, um, I think it's going to be critical uh, that the, we declare this a public health care crisis. Uh, this is really an important issue for all of us, and it has been impacting the community for years. Access to, to child care is another big issue for, for us in our communities as we're trying to we talk about economic prosperity and how do we recover. I think the county of San Diego really needs to invest in strong economic recovery plan that includes childcare infrastructure. And so working with my colleagues on that issue is going to be important to me. In addition, you know, all the work that I will be doing really is going to have this component of our families first. And how do we make sure that the communities of District 1 have what they need to be able to, you know, basic needs that they need to be able uh, to continue to move forward. And, and so I will be releasing my family's first initiative um, in the next couple of weeks to make sure that that we are advancing accordingly. For the first time in memory, Democrats will have a majority on the county board. How do you think the change from Republican to Democratic control will affect the direction of the board? Well, I think that, you know, you have between Supervisor-elect Tara Lawson-Lemer and Supervisor Nathan Fletcher, I think that we our vision for the county is really one where we are ensuring that our families come first, that working families have what they need, that we our environment is a priority, right? Uh, climate action, we don't have a climate action plan. I think those are the issues that we're gonna be addressing head on uh, as we move forward. Uh, I wanna make sure that our county employees understand that we have a very different vision of where we're going and what we want to do. And so I think that there's a lot of work that we're going to be doing together. And really, I think what's important is that our values are very aligned, I would say, uh, in that we want to make sure that our communities have what they need to make sure that they're thriving in the county of San Diego. Uh, You've given your cell number out and encouraged residents to call or text. What kinds of messages have you gotten? Well, you know, a lot of messages of hope, a lot of messages, um, you know, I, I, English is my second language, so I speak Spanish. And so I get a lot of, of conversations with a lot of our community members, older gentlemen and ladies uh, from our community, seniors uh, who are checking in with me and letting me know that they have concerns, um, some of the issues around homelessness, some of the issues, uh, you know, in our unsheltered communities, um, they have questions. They just really want to make sure that they have a representative that's responsive and that's going to be there for them. And so I'm committed to doing that work. I, It's what I've done as an elected official at the community college. And so I really do uh, pride myself in being uh, transparent and accountable to my constituents and someone uh, that people could reach out to. You know, I, I always say I don't have the answers all the answers, but I what I do have is, you know, a willingness to listen to folks um, to address and how we, uh, you know, address some of these issues. So I'm excited about it, and and people are so respectful of just not, you know, bombarding me with stuff. And they've been able to follow up, and and it's been great. It's been great. That was Nora Vargas, supervisor elect of District One, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Mark Sauer. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. 
Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.